Welcome back for another episode of Drew and Co. Unplugged. This episode's another episode with Zach where we dive into the college football scene, talk about Ohio State, the rest of the college football playing field. Looking forward to seeing how this goes. Enjoy. Finally. Well, hello, sir. I don't know what's been going on with it. Like the first few times we we did this, I had no problems connecting with you, and now every time we go to do it, it just it's slower than hell. I don't know what's going on. I'm sorry, dude. My Dollar Tree <laughs> podcast service isn't good enough for you anymore. I guess. <laughs> no, it's probably my Dollar Tree Wi-Fi. <laughs> well, how's it going for you? It's going good, man. Um, I, recover, recovering from the Buckeye loss yesterday. Oh, wait. Oh, they won. No, my bad. Um, got a pot of chili going on the stove. It's a nice cold day here in Ohio. Um, yeah, about to watch some NFL here in a little bit. Watch my Jets hopefully thump the Broncos. Uh, crazy night so. of college football, too, man. That was uh, some <laughs> interesting games last night for sure. How are you doing? I know you're getting, getting ready to go to Legoland today. Yes, I've got Legoland with family. We're actually meeting up with a couple of friends, one of Aiden's uh, friends from school. So they're going as well. We're meeting in there. Luckily, it's only like 35 minutes away instead of Disneyland, which is an hour and a half away. Um, Already went to the gym this morning. I am making my protein pancakes that I eat every single morning right now, but... Luckily, I did all the mixing and all that BS before I got on here. And then, of course, when you said you're ready, I had I was taking out some uh, trash that I had left on the table, and one of them was a froyo container and freaking flex flex whatever bullshit trash bags. I put that <laughs> container in there and. I'm throwing a couple of other things away, and I get a little bit distracted, turn around looking at the game that's on right now, Jacksonville and uh, Buffalo. And uh-huh. sure enough, as I'm walking out the door to take it outside, I notice that it's stripping, and it leaked everywhere. So <laughs> had to uh, clean that up real quick before we jumped on the call. <clears throat> Dollar Tree trash bags too, huh? Uh, I wish it was uh, Dollar Tree trash bags for the performance <laughs> that it gave, but unfortunately – in this day and age, trash bags are like 15 bucks for a pack. So, <laughs> yeah, boy. but yeah, dude, so we can jump right in. I know we're on not a super, super limited time frame, but we do want to try to keep it honest. Um, Ohio State yesterday, man, it was an interesting game to say the least. I do think my quick snap judgment I think over the last couple of games, the exposure of – I hate to say lack of talent because we literally have almost all five-star recruits um, in in every position, but uh, our offensive line, it's – we knew it was going to be one of the biggest questions coming into the season. We knew McCord and the offensive line, in my opinion, were probably the two biggest questions coming into the season – And then, obviously, that third question being, is our defense going to stop giving up these massive plays? So, that's kind of my, I think, moving forward, we got to figure something out with the offensive line, my opinion. What's your uh, snap judgment? 
Yeah, a hundred percent. I think the the poor offensive line play was definitely it was bad. Um, you know, I had thought it was bad the first game or two, and then it kind of looked like they were kind of figuring some things out. Played okay against uh, Notre Dame as far as pass offense goes. That the the run blocking is really bad, and I I don't. It's very confusing. It's very complexing because. Every, you know, media outlet and expert I listen to says, you know, pass blocking is so much more difficult than run blocking, yet we're run blocking. Our our, our run blocking is just atrocious. And like you said, it's not for lack of talent. Um, So at that point, you've got to turn to the coaching. And I think Justin Fry has got to be on the hot seat if this offensive line play continues to be horrible for the rest of the year. Um, and I know that's going to be hard for Day because, you know, those two are really close. But at the same time, you know, Day showed that, you know, he's not afraid to uh, to, to chop a guy's head off and, and find a new coach if, if, uh, if need be. So, yeah, offensive line was really bad, really bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And obviously, I think it also speaks volumes about the type of performance so far this year that Trevion Henderson has been giving us because he has been making the offensive line look better than what they are with the runs and that he's been having. Um, but yeah, it was, it was ugly. It was ugly from, I mean, probably till midway through the third. And then, I mean, realistically, it was a defensive game for us. Undoubtedly our defense they came through time and time again, despite the whole, oh, we don't have great defensive ends and, you know, we're not getting all these crazy amounts of sacks, which it is hard to watch sometimes when you got somebody like Tugalavaya or Tugalavaya, however you say his name, uh, Talia, just sitting back there for six, seven seconds. And it's like, dude, we can't expect our – or DBs to cover for that long. And that's how we ended up getting some, um, some penalties, which we typically, I like to say for the most part, we're a pretty clean team overall. We normally don't have a lot of penalties that we have to uh, deal with most games, but our DBs were getting into some, a lot of hand checking back and forth and it got to a point where they wanted to start calling it. And so that happened and it did get called on both sides. So it wasn't like it was just a, oh, let's target Ohio State's DBs um, type of thing. But overall, it just – it was definitely a defensive game, in my opinion. We – defense came through, pick six, came through, got another interception. Um, there was a couple of plays. I, I was so mad, actually – and I know I'm kind of jumping at different parts of the game here initially, but I'm just talking about the defense in general. Old Tommy Two Thumbs, the play, basically a couple plays before the second interception, he missed what would have been a third down tackle for loss. Like, I mean, blatantly couldn't have missed it any worse on the quarterback. And you're thinking, this is the guy that had 100-plus tackles last year at linebacker who's – you know, supposed to be the leader. And it's like, dude, what did you do? And he didn't wrap him up essentially. And I was so mad. I was hot 
And then like two plays later, we got the pick. And I said, I'm mad still, but I'm okay. <laughs> and I kept thinking to myself the whole game, like my initial thoughts, or I guess wouldn't really be initial because it was throughout the entire game. I kept saying to myself, I was like, man, this is like exactly what we talked about a few days ago. It doesn't matter if you win by one or a hundred. Yeah. And that's exactly even though we ended up, you know, winning 38 to 17 or yeah, 30, was it 37, 17, 37, 17. Um, yeah, I forgot. Cause somebody in the pregame actually was predicting 38, to 17. So that's stuck with me since then. Um, we did win by a good margin, but I mean, we didn't do that until the end, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, for sure. Like, I think that um, that botch. There's still some debate on that that um, the the punt, the snap, or whatever, whether it was a fake or whether it was just a botch snap. And I, I kind of I went back and forth. Like at first, everybody I thought it was a fake, and then just the way the guy snapped the ball, the way it like rolled to the uh, the up back, like then it made me seem like oh, okay, that was just a horrible snap, and you know it is what it is. But then now I, I went back and watched it earlier, and it looked like about half of our guys were trying to. Uh, block to the right, but then you had a couple other guys like Sonny Styles and uh, Eichenberg who looked like they had no idea what was going on. So, like, I, I don't know what it was, whether if it was a, a miscommunication, whether, like, half of the team didn't know it was a fake or whatever it was. Either way, it was bad, and it really just set – it set the tone for the entire first half. I, I don't think without that botched snap, we'll just call it that, miss, you know, special teams blunder, like, I don't think Maryland ever takes the lead in that game. I really don't. Like, you know, that – that bad snap right there gave Maryland such amazing field position. Um, it really pinned the defense back. They, you know, they just didn't really have even have a chance to get their feet under them. Um, you know, and I think they only took like two or three plays to score, you know, and on that, on that touchdown pass, first touchdown pass for Maryland, dude just made a hell of a catch. I mean, Igben Osten had great coverage. Dude just made a, a, a wild one-handed catch and then boom, just like that. You know, we're down seven, nothing. And uh, so I, I think that really like that, that snap, like it, it just set a horrible tone for the whole game. You know what I mean? Like it took the, it took the wind out of our sails from, from the jump, the crowd was out of it. Um, you know, McCord struggled to get going a little bit. And uh, that, that snap just really, really, really hurt us. Right. And I feel like in that situation, I like to, I would like to believe as elite of uh, skill position players as we have that if we're going to go for it on fourth down when it's like on our side of the 50, that we would have the offense out there. I, right. I mean, I don't so far, cause Ryan day has been coaching for what? Four years now, three years. This is fourth season. Uh, or is this his third season? I can't, you know, yeah. either way. I don't I don't think I've ever seen him and maybe I'm sure it's happened at some point but he doesn't really run trick plays on special teams. No. No. We we if we're going for it we're going to go for it with our offense because statistically that just makes more sense. And he is very analytical and statistical in that matter. So I just don't see I just think the whole maybe half the players thought it was going to be a, a fake. And then, like you said, the other half just looked like 
what the hell's going on. Um, yeah. I did text you. Go ahead. It looks like it might have been more of a, a miscommunication from what I'm from what I'm thinking because, like I said, like the the, the punter did kind of go to the left as if he was kind of faking it. Um, and it looked like Cody Simon kind of was expecting the ball, like, which was weird. But then, like, but then you had your gunners that just took off, like it was just a normal, uh, a normal play. Like I said, Eichenberg was looking around, like he didn't know what the hell was going on. Sonny Styles just completely let his guy come through. It, it was, it was bad. I don't know. Like I said, you know, overall just botched, just bad, just bad. Yep, completely botched play, and. I think um, <clears throat> one of the things also that came with that, our defense actually almost got a stop and forced a field goal. But like you said, the guy literally just had an insane catch. Yeah. I mean, he was smothered. Yeah. And you actually see if anybody watched the game or saw the replay, the ball literally bounces off of his wrist and chest, and then he secures it. So it even did like a little double bounce like on him and right. Um, but yeah, let's. It. So I know we're talking. We talked a little bit about the offensive line and the run game. If those people out there that were, I, I don't know how anybody at this point is questioning Trevion Henderson, but if anybody was questioning, I think this this game right here put that to bed. Had to have. You know what I mean? He's been. Phenomenal. They didn't say why he was out, though, so I thought that was a little bit weird. Got a little bit of clarification after the game. They said it's. A, they said an ankle injury. I guess he warmed up before the game and kind of just decided that he, you know, he probably could have played had it been, you know, like I don't know, Penn State or something, right? Like that he probably could have went and tried to tough it out, but they just kind of kept him out as a little bit of a precaution, just to you know not make it any worse. Right, and. I think uh, this is going to be a fun one. So we can move forward to McCord. <clears throat> and sure. I, oh man, I, the tough part with McCord, and he knew this coming out, the expectation for him going into that game was Everest in terms of how high they were because of, how amazing he was that final drive in the Notre Dame game. And like you said, I don't know if just the whole tone switch because of that going for it on or whatever that play was. I don't even know what to call it at this point. Either way, we turned it over and he was just flat as a pancake for I mean, I would say through three quarters. I know he started racking up some yards here and there, um, but he missed. He missed. He was. He wasn't hitting his accuracy like he normally was yesterday. Uh, prime example. And I know it was a really deep pass, so I guess you can give him a little bit of a a pass there. The one to Marvin Harrison. If he gets the ball just slightly on his back hip or out in front of him. Marvin Harrison's got a 80-plus yard touchdown there with ease because uh, he had them completely beat. And then you look at that pass that uh, Julian Fleming made a fantastic yep. catch, fantastic catch. And that was a big play, too. We really needed that at that point. And he just wasn't hitting his accuracy. It wasn't, 
it wasn't there. And I don't know if he, like I say, I don't know if all the hype across the last couple of weeks, right? Because it wasn't a normal, oh, there's the six days in between and then we play again. Instead, it was 13 days going into after a bye week, all that hype from the Notre Dame game. He actually, you know, is on the map now. Before he wasn't really on the map, they were just like, oh, yeah, it's a high state quarterback. They're trying to figure out that situation. But, I mean, you know, he actually sat down with Fox and had an exclusive one-on-one, like, 30-minute interview. And so, like, he's now in his first year starting. He's just now hitting the media portion, which is its own beast. I think we've seen that over the years that – uh, that presents its own challenges, but he definitely struggled yesterday. Um, and then he came in in like, like I say, mid to end of third quarter. I feel like the uh, play calling was phenomenal. Like, absolutely. I think the, my favorite play that I saw yesterday, I was actually, my dad was on the phone with me when this happened was that uh, fake pitch and threw it out to Stover on the right side that was such yep. a fantastic play. And he needed that. McCord needed yep. that play call. He needed to be able to have that wide open receiver to hit and just kind of settle him down, get him relaxed. And I felt like after that play, he started turning on and he started hitting all his throws. You know what I mean? Like I would say 75% yeah. of the game, he was flat. He was not accurate. Receivers were having to make really good catches. We were – and you knew – I knew we were in a little bit of trouble when we opened up the game. You got Marvin Harrison out there on a wide receiver screen wide open, and he hit him in the toes. I was like, ooh, I don't know if I like this. And then two plays later, we run that fourth down play, and I'm like, oh, man, I really don't like what's going on here right now. Um, So I will say in one way props to him for being able to shake it off, but I honestly think that was just good coaching. I think – that's where, you know, Dade stepped in, like I say, set him up with some really good uh, play calls there and got him set up for success to be able to start being successful in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, just overall McCord's performance, I mean, yeah, not great uh, by any means. I mean, for you know, somehow he did set his, uh, you know, what was it, his career high in pass yards or something. Um But, and, you know, just take it for what it is. Like, you know, he's still a young guy, still growing. Um, You know, you had no Henderson. You had horrible offensive line play. You got Marv, who looked pretty decent, given that he's still not 100%. You had Egbuka, you know, kind of hobbled up there at the end of the game. You had some crappy weather. It was raining on and off. It's getting a little bit cold, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if there was a little bit of wind, you know. Still no excuse for those couple – um, horrible underthrows, whether, you know, whether it's windy or rainy or not, those were terribly underthrown balls, no doubt about it. And it's just where, is, where, where McCord is at this point in his career. Like, you know, he's going to have a couple of those every game. And, um, you know, as long as he finds a way to win and, you know, not turn the ball over, I mean, you know, we just got to take it for what it is. I mean, he's, he's not going to be CJ Stroud. He's not going to be Justin Fields, he's not going to be Dwayne Haskins. You know, you can go on and on and on. But I, I think we can win with Kyle McCord. I really do. I mean, I, I think, you know, he showed that against Notre Dame. And I, I don't think he has to be great for us to, you know, to win a championship. I really don't. I mean, I think we've seen a lot of teams 
you know, I don't, I don't think Stetson Bennett was, you know, no, uh, an, an amazing not player. At all. Uh, you know what I mean, I, I think you can, you can win with average quarterback play as long as you've got a, a great defense and, you know, great skill guys and, and good coaching and stuff like that. So, I mean, he, you know, he has the infrastructure around him that, you know, we can win with Kyle McCord. I, I have no doubt about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the offensive line again, has got to get better. Um, that's going to be the biggest, you know, the, the biggest worry for me. Again, I'm not worried about McCord at all. I, I'm still the offensive line. If, if they don't get him killed, that's that's going to be the biggest miracle. Right. And so I know we've got Purdue next week and then Penn State the following week. And so we still got essentially two more weeks, right, to get some additional coaching in there, get something figured out and – Again, I, I do agree with you. I'm not so worried about McCord. Um, at least we know he has the capability. I think that's yeah. the most important thing. We learned that in the Notre Dame game. Uh, that was a big question was, is Kyle McCord be, going to be able to, when we need it, step up and be essentially clutch? There's no other way to call it clutch. And we've learned that, but it's definitely that offensive line. Um, I really hope our team doesn't come out against Purdue. And I, I think I could be wrong, but it did seem like we kind of came out expecting the game to be easy with Maryland, despite them being undefeated, just because we've had so much success with against them all time. Like, you know what I mean? Like they've, they've never yeah. been able to beat us. We've always beat them by a lot. I mean, we struggled a little bit last year, but we came out flat last year too. Um, so I think there was a little bit of that. And so I'm really hoping that has not happened with Purdue because I don't know what it is about Purdue. It's like Purdue and Iowa for me, I feel like they're always trap games for us. Uh, they yeah. always play us really, really well. Even if their team is absolute garbage, they still play us insanely well. So I'm hoping that we can figure out the offensive line situation. Um, I think, I mean, honestly, out of precaution, if it was me, I would sit Abuka against Purdue. I know that's saying a lot, but yeah, yeah. he didn't look like he was moving well. They showed him on the sideline. I'm a little bit worried. I'm hoping that, you know, it's something just like a minor sprain. At first, I thought it was his knee. That had me really, really worried because that's the last thing we need to do is, you know, lose our um, number two receiver who is a first-round draft pick. And, you know, would be wide receiver one on any other team. Um, so I'm really hoping that they're smart about that. And I would rather be overly cautious um, because we do have great receivers behind him that can kind of fill that gap whenever we play Purdue. You've got uh, Johnson who came in. He's another big guy. He's got good size to him, good receiver. And then Tate, which I think uh, the height, around Tate is that he's gearing to be our next Marvin Harrison, because we know we're going to lose Marvin Harrison this year. We know we're going to lose um, Mecca Abuka. So from what I've seen, all the articles and stuff I've read coaches comments is that he <clears throat> coming off the bench, he's probably one of our most skilled players. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I, I will say too. Next year, I mean, yeah, it's it's going to be tough losing losing those two guys. You know, they're going to be first round picks. But um, yeah, Carnell Tate, he he's going to be he's going to be a dude. But 
guy that's not even on the roster yet that, you know, if you don't follow recruiting, um, you don't know about. But we, we have the number one receiver in the country committed for next year. Um, his name's Jeremiah Smith. They call him JJ, JJ Smith. He is a freak of nature. I know that's, you know, looking looking way ahead. He's cousins with uh, uh, Gino, Gino Smith. So he comes from a, a football family, uh, very well coached down in South Florida. Um, he's going to start next year. There's no doubt about it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, receiver, yeah, I, I think we're going to be okay. Um, but, yeah, looking at Purdue, I mean, they've got – a former five-star transfer uh, quarterback, Hudson Card. I mean, he was the uh, the backup and really competed with uh, Quinn Ewers down at Texas for for a while. He, uh, fun fact, was actually the high school quarterback of a guy named Garrett Wilson uh, down at Lake Travis in Texas, man. So, you know, he can play. Um, and this week's going to be tough because, you know, on one hand, you want to, you know, think we can just roll over them and just, uh, you know, maybe sit you know, sit Marv and sit Trey and sit Egbuka, you know, and try to get them healthy for Penn State. And ideally, that's what's going to happen. But, um, you know, like you said, you can't you can't overlook Purdue. At Purdue with a, a five-star quarterback, I know, he, you know, they don't have much of a defense. They don't have much going around, um, going on around him on offense. But it's it's going to be a tough, a tough um, you know, game to, to, uh, to navigate because, yeah, I mean – you can't overlook them. You got to give them your best shot. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, you want to try to protect Marvin and Ibuka and Trey and, you know, whoever else for, uh, you know, for the tough stretch of games that we got coming after that. Cause I mean, you got Penn state and then dude, I'm, I mean, Wisconsin, you want to talk about a trap game. You know, you've, you've mentioned that a couple of times, like Wisconsin, while they aren't great throwing the ball yet, I mean, they're, they're looking a little bit better each week. That running back, they got Braylon Allen is a freaking tank. So, uh, yeah, I mean, including Maryland, Purdue, Penn State, Wisconsin, just a really, really tough stretch of games um, that the Buckeyes had coming up. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's not going to be easy. Well, I will say I am happy that we have Penn State at home so we don't sure. have to go there and play at 7 p.m. in the whiteout because they love doing the whiteout against us. Um, but, yeah, you, you definitely hit the nail on the head there when we were talking about the stretch of games. And then, of course, we still have, you know, at Michigan. Um, and I don't know if you've noticed this, if this is just a, a media thing or what. But, obviously, the big hype when it comes to, like, Ryan Day and around him is, can you beat Michigan this year? And yeah. – if not, what does that look like? And I don't know if other people follow or not, but this is actually our, um, I want to say, what's the guy's name? Gene Smith. It's his last year as well. He's retiring. Um, so there's, there's a lot of movement that's going to be happening around the big 10 with that. And with um, Ryan day. So let's, let's throw, let's throw a little hypothetical scenario out there. And I hope this does not happen, but let's say let's say we drop the game to Michigan. Can yep. we keep them after About. three years? Yeah, absolutely. I, I have – listen, I have this opinion that um, the large, overwhelming majority of Buckeye fans are going to disagree with me on. Ryan, Ryan Day's job is safe. Um, 
this year, whether he loses to Michigan, wins or loses against Michigan. And I know I'm, I, you're going to have people, and you might be one of them. I don't know. You, you, you might disagree with me, and that's, that's fine. Um, his job is safe. It, it really is because this is such a bigger conversation than just, you know, one game. But, um, you know, I, I, even to say he does drop three to Michigan, the entire football landscape is changing after this one year. And, you know, it's going to come down to next year when, you know, these schedules are changing and you've got a 12-team playoff. You know, just back in the day like that, you know, that Michigan game, you know, it was the most important thing on your schedule. And to me, it's just, again, this is probably horrible coming from a Buckeye fan, but it's just not as important as it used to be. And, um, you know, Buckeye fans are going to have to adapt to that. But, you know, this – everything's changing and um you know if you it's going to be now where you can drop two or three games and possibly still make the playoffs so i mean i get it you know they're our rival it, it is it's it's important like you know to be a, a buckeye coach you got to beat michigan um but at the same time like to me if we lose to michigan every year but we still win a national title every year i don't care I, to me national title overrules everything I know for all the older Buckeye fans, more traditional fans, you know, um, they're going to disagree with me, you know, but it, it, it just, it is what it is to me. Like Michigan's not everything anymore. It, it used to be everything to, to our program and just the way college football has, he- has changed and the way it's headed. I'm sorry that Michigan game's just not as important as it used to be. So what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I've noticed that, more and more college football programs have become in this day and age influenced heavily by the media. And that's what gets me because if you look, and I know you're not like super active on social media. I know you say you're on, uh, what is it? Twitter, Twitter X, whatever. (laughs) Same thing. Um, Every time Ohio state is remotely struggling they stay posting photos of Urban Meyer, like yesterday. <laughs> they said Urban Meyer watching this game right now. And then there's a lot of hype because I don't know if people know this. So Michigan State has been trying to go after Urban Meyer to be their head coach really hard Not ever since it. they let go of um, Mel Tucker. And yeah. Urban came out and said, no, I, I won't coach there. Made it very clear. And then, of course – media being the way that they are and trying to drive clicks, likes, whatever. They're saying, oh, he's holding out in case Ryan Day loses to Michigan. He's going to go back to Ohio State. And <laughs> not happening. Which, I mean, this is tough because I love Urban. So, like, if that did happen and he came back, I wouldn't be, like, upset. <laughs> <laughs> just because I love like he's yeah. just you know he's just one of those iconic classic college football coaches right you have your Saban, your Urban Myers your um, oh 100% he's a legend yeah so, yeah I, I just here's my, my my standpoint is again to me you know the national championship is the most important thing and you know, we were basically a, a kick away from winning one last year. You know, whether you you know you, you can argue that, you know, you, you could not. But you know, we were we were we came down to a field goal from from making it to the national championship game, which we would have thumped 
ECU in. So, you know, to me, just the state of the program, like, you know, when you've got our quarterback position playing at, you know, an NFL level, which it hasn't historically um, in the history of Ohio State. And, you know, given the fact that Ryan Day is still recruiting at a very elite level, you know, top five recruiting class every year, um, given the fact that we were just right there, like on the cusp of a national championship last year, like to me, like losing to Michigan doesn't change any of that. Like, you know, we're still knocking on the door of of a national championship every single year. And, you know, to completely blow up the program and whether it's <laughs> Urban Meyer or not, which I'm sorry, isn't it's just not going to happen. You know, we're just not – our program's just not in a state where – you're going to blow up the, the entire program and, you know, bring in a new coach, a whole new coaching staff. And then when that happens, you've got, you lose all those recruits that you just worked years to get, um, you know, you're going to have a bunch of guys transfer. So like until our program starts taking a negative trajectory, which at, at right now it's just not like we've been on the upward or maybe we're just kind of at a little bit of a plateau, like a little bit of a, you know, a standstill or whatever, but until our program starts stepping back, you know, to where we're not making the playoffs and, you know, we're losing a couple games a year or something like, it's just not, we're just not in that position to blow up the program yet. And again, I, I'm all these, you know, old school <laughs> gotta be Michigan. You know, if we don't win every, every other game, but Michigan, you know, that's okay with them. Like, that's just not where I'm at. Um, so yeah, to me, it's just not worth it to blow up the program, whether we lose to, Michigan this year and next year, like, cause the game's just changing. I'm sorry. It's just, not, it, it's not what it used to be. And I don't think some people have accepted that yet. Well, I will say we're two simple answers to this. One, just go beat them. Problem solved. Number two, no matter how bad an Ohio state fan wants Urban Meyer to come back and coach, he will never come back to Ohio State and coach because of the way the whole just the politics of it. Well, just I mean, honestly, the way the whole Zach Smith situation yeah. was handled and how yeah. he did the right thing by reporting to the athletic director and the athletic directors one they didn't do anything. And they used him as the the scapegoat. They blamed it all on him, say he mishandled it, yada yada yada. And that's why he went to the NFL. He made it when he in my opinion, when he went to the NFL that was him saying, I will never coach at the collegiate level ever again. Yeah. I mean, more than likely, yeah, 100%. And in reality, like, he's got, he's got an insanely great gig on Big oh, New yeah. Kickoff with Fox. And, like, oh. that – also, speaking of Big New Kickoff, I don't know if you watched it or not, but uh, – I did. <clears throat> Good old Brady Quinn, for those of you who don't know who he is, he was a great quarterback with the University of Notre Dame. He is actually married to A.J. Hawk's sister. A.J. Hawk was a absolute animal of a linebacker with Ohio State back in the Jim Trestle days. And they had a bet, and good old Brady Quinn was sitting in a A.J. Hawk jersey on big new kickoff. <laughs> And I loved it. Urban Meyer said, Brady, this is the best you've ever looked in your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's weird. Like, and, you know, somebody also made the comment like that. I don't remember if it was uh, Mark Ingram or whoever, but he said that's his childhood team. I mean, yeah. I mean, Brady Quinn. Yeah. I mean, his, you know, his brother-in-law was a legend at Ohio State. You know, Brady Quinn's from Ohio. He grew up in Dublin, Ohio. I think he grew up a Buckeye fan, even though 
you know, he, he played at Notre Dame and stuff. But, you know, either way, it was still kind of funny to see that get rubbed in by A.J. Hawk because, you know, A.J. was, you know, probably giving him giving him a world worth of shit over it. So that was pretty funny. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I loved every bit of it. It was it was definitely great. Um, do you have any additional thoughts on Ohio State this past week, upcoming schedule, anything like that? Um, no, I mean, just, you know, the, the defense again saved us. I mean, that's kind of the, the thing for me. Like I, I thought it was really cool to see, um, you know, some of these guys who just got drugged through the mud last year, you know, we've already talked about, you know, Trey Henderson and, and Julian Fleming and, and Denzel Burke and some of these guys, but to see guys like Lathan Ransom and Josh Proctor and Tyleek Williams, like being the heart and soul of our team right now, like, you know, just how well they've played, you know, to see Ransom and Proctor both get a pick. Um, that's really cool to me. And to see JT get a sack. I mean, I, I love that. Um, you know, definitely just thoughts on the defense real quick. I, I, the linebacker play has to get better. Um, you know, I, I thought the secondary played very well. Um, defensive line played good. Um, not great, but good, you know, um, but like you, you mentioned earlier, you know, Tommy missing some, some really uncharacteristically bad, tackles for him um is is weird um i i would like to see just moving forward real quick like i, I would like to see them maybe start rotating the linebackers a little bit you know I, I, that's one of the things i think has kind of helped the defense uh the defensive line the past couple weeks is you've seen like caden curry getting more snaps you've seen um kenyatta jackson in the getting in there a little bit like those defensive tackles rotating really well like keeping those guys fresh might be something to think about with linebacker too. Maybe give CJ Hicks a chance, throw him in there a little bit. Hell, throw Sonny Styles at linebacker in there a little bit. I mean, you know, maybe you know Tommy and Steele just need a little bit of a blow every now and then. So I would like to see them maybe start getting some other linebackers involved just to keep those guys fresh. Um, but overall, you know, another good performance by the defense. I think it's just you know things to work on, but a lot to build off of too. So with that, I will I will uh, end my. Ohio State spiel for the week. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I definitely agree with that. They definitely – and one of the things I'll also point out for just kind of wrapping up this Ohio State-Maryland stuff, Maryland's coach coached a fantastic game. His gamesmanship was phenomenal. Like a prime example – he forced us to burn a timeout because we substituted late. And those of you who don't know out there the rules, if you're an offense and you substitute, the defense gets an opportunity to substitute. And what they did when they substituted, because you have to give them a chance to get off the field, typically when a defender is coming in to sub, the off-going defender will also run out the same time that the other guy's running in. They didn't. The guy that he knew he was supposed to go out, but he pretended like he didn't know. And the guy ran up to him and was like, oh, hey, you go out. And he ran. I mean, he was slow jogging off the field and we were going to get a delay game. And literally the, the umpire was standing there blocking the ball. And people are probably like, why are they still blocking the ball? They got to move, yada, yada, yada. And it's not. It's, it was a mistake on our part by substituting late and excellent, excellent gamesmanship. Um, I I mean I really like what they've got cooking there. I'm I don't know how good they'll be next year. I, I would imagine I, I can't remember if uh TT's a 
senior this year or if he's a junior. I don't know if they'll have him next year. But they're building a great foundation over there in Maryland. They're, they're getting better and better every year. They're playing, you know, the elite teams like Ohio State's, Michigan's, and Penn State's a lot tougher. They're winning all these other games. Um, I just wanted to give him a shout-out because he – I felt like he – for the first half or so, I mean, I really felt like he was out coaching us. And then finally, like I say, uh, I feel like Ryan Day really took over that play calling sheet and started making some magic happen, getting McCord going, finding a way to get our offense some lifeblood while our defense was just keeping us in the game. And um, so I just, I, overall, like I say, I can respect good, good performances, whether it's our team or not. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's he's got a good thing cooking over there, like you said, and um, that substitution rule, man. That's uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see more people trying to take advantage of that. Like that's something the rules committee might have to take a little look at in the off season. That's uh, I, I mean, it's genius. It's genius if you think about it. Yeah, yeah. There's gonna have to be. I, I saw somebody say like the suggestion, like you're gonna have to set a time limit, like say maybe you know if there's like, I forget how they said it, but like if there's five seconds left, you can't sub or something like that. You know what I mean? To, to keep them from doing that last second little, little thing. I, I forget what, what they said, but yeah, I mean something. Cause uh, there was, so yeah. when they, when the guy ran out, there was 11 seconds left on the play clock. But like I say, it wasn't traditional. Cause typically, and like I say, these are for the people that don't pay attention to the small things in these games. But typically when a defender's running out late, they are sprinting. And the guy going off the field is also sprinting because they are late. <laughs> right. But in this situation, like literally the guy like barely, you could say he ran out. But I mean, it was almost <laughs> a jog. And the guy that was going off the field did not move. Literally, they stood out there for two seconds. By the time the guy started running off the field, there was two seconds left on the game clock. And I'm sorry, but you can't tell me it takes nine seconds to run from the sideline to – and then, of course, they were lucky that we were on the opposite hash as well to make it a little bit further of a run. But even then, um, I do agree. I'm sure they're going to look into that sooner than later. But Lord knows they'll probably just uh, tweak the targeting call once again. <laughs> <laughs> Make it easier to get somehow. Yeah. 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 Somehow they'll uh, they'll they'll get that going. Um, and uh, I hate to keep dipping back into Ohio State because I do want to push forward and start talking about the other a uh, couple of the other games. But one other thing I did want to bring up, and I know we've been hammering this offensive line thing, is. If you have a chance, go back and listen to the commentary that Joel Clapp provided. It was phenomenal commentary. And what I mean by that is he kept pointing out on replays that our offensive line was not getting to the second level. And they had the opportunity to get to the second level, but we kept getting caught. I don't know what it is. Our pulling guard keeps getting caught in the double team. And there was multiple times where we literally our guard would block our tackle who was already blocking somebody. So it would just waste our guy. And that pulling guard is supposed to get to the second level um, and, and get that block and hit the linebackers. And 
I mean, literally, those linebackers from Maryland tore us up all day long, all day long. And they're great players, but still, I just wanted to point that out, that I, I feel like Clatt did a great, great analysis throughout the game, showing different replays and just showing, like, hey, like, they have to get to that second level. And because some people don't understand, like, if the offensive line's struggling, they just see it as, oh, they're – they're missing blocks or they're being lazy. They don't see the true depth that comes with that. Like when it comes to pulling guards and, you know, creating holes and that kind of thing. So I just, I felt like he did a great job pointing that out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They're, they're going to have to start. I mean, that, you know, just those simple little, uh, like you said, blocking our own guys, that's, that's coaching, man. That's coaching. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's a talent issue. I really don't. Like, I think that's, that's coaching. And um, yeah, I mean, there's certainly ways you can scheme around it as far as like having average offensive line play. I mean, you know, there's things that you can do offensively to, to help them out. And at this point we're going to have to pull out every stop in the book uh, to help them out. But um, yeah, <laughs> your thing about Clatt too, man, he, uh, he was calling out the officials all, all game too. And I, I'll admit that, that one uh, line judge apparently had it out for Ryan Day. I don't know if Ryan Day, like, you know, screwed his wife back in the day or something, man. But I'm not, I'm not usually one to, uh, to point out officiating. That's just not, you know, some people blame the officials are bad every game and whatnot. I'm, I'm not that guy. But there was some really weird little uh, shady things going on with the officiating on Saturday. So, I, I don't know. It was definitely – Oh, that, that line judge – he, I know that probably won't happen, but he needs to be suspended again. The way, one, we got the coach's interference call, which was 30 yards away from where the football was. And, and they showed the replay multiple times, and it didn't even happen. And then that, oh, um, the moving forward call. Yeah. Yeah. To to pull back a touchdown. I was actually I was still on FaceTime with my dad and they pulled that and and when they threw that flag, I mean literally at that point Ryan Day was ready to lose his cookies on that guy because it was like you're now it's one thing, okay, you you did away with our 37-yard gain. You know, took away 30 yards, but then it's like dude, you're really going to sit here and take away a touchdown. So when the very next play, Marvin Harrison caught the touchdown again, oh, dude, I was pumped. I was so pumped. Bro, somebody somebody had a shot, too. I wish I could find it. If I do, I'll, I'll text it to you. Somebody got a shot of um, that, that, that second Marvin Harrison touchdown, and uh, the official right there in the end zone is giving Marvin Harrison, like, an absolute, like, death stare. It was one of those, like, if looks could kill. Like, he just looked so – disgusted and somebody said like oh i bet this dude just lost a bunch of money on that play or something like that which again i'm not i don't i don't throw stuff out there like that it is it's funny to say but um yeah i don't know man those those officials they did not like the buckeyes no no not at all um so with that being said let's 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 push forward because i need to start getting ready here in about like 10 minutes or so so um We'll just run through the games. So LSU, two-loss team, beats the undefeated Missouri team. So, of course, two-loss LSU is going to get to stay in the top 25 this week. 
Uh, I'm curious. I feel like even though they weren't ranked last week, undefeated Maryland, I feel like with the way that they played Ohio State and the wins that they've had so far, I feel like they sneak in the top 25 this week. I think they might be 24, 25. Um, yeah, and you know, Clatt even made the comment too. He said, "If it, which I which killed me." He said, "If if Maryland was an SEC team, they'd be ranked in the top 25." And I was like, "Hey, <laughs> I mean, he, he probably ain't wrong." No, no, it's it's insanely accurate. Um, Red River. Oh, I've never been able to say <laughs> this properly. Red rivalry. The Red River rivalry. What a game. So I was – every commercial I was flipping to that game. And I'm going to be honest, Oklahoma looked fantastic. Their defense – defense played really well. And sorry, I just had to sprint and catch my dog. He was about to steal something and chew it up. <laughs> That's why I tried to hold my breath there. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens when you have a six-month-old puppy um <laughs> oh he did that right in front of my face too what a demon oh man i'm telling you my lungs just deflated um well, yeah so let me i would say let me save you here for a second like yeah i mean i i texted you like oklahoma welcome to the playoff contention because I mean, we kind of talked about it in our in our uh, our shit show of a podcast the other day that we, that we tried to pull off late in the week. Um, you know, like I said, that Oklahoma Texas game that was probably more than likely the winner of that game is probably going to win the Big Twelve. And at this point, Oklahoma has a very favorable schedule um, the rest of the way out. I mean, I guess I, the one thing I did forget to think about though is, you know, there will be a Big Twelve championship game, and uh, if Texas is that team. Um, it probably will be Texas if they went out. It's it's probably going to be an Oklahoma Texas rematch in that um, in that Big Twelve title game. So um, yeah, I mean this isn't. I don't think this is the last time they're going to meet this year. So thriller of a game, and looks like we might get. Uh, well, and I do want to. I do want to shout out the Big Twelve for the way that they do their title game for their conference. It makes so yeah. much sense. They do the two best teams. Simple sure. as that. Because year after year after year, we've watched the Big Ten Championship. The team from the East always wins, and they have nothing to gain from it. They only have something to lose. Whereas, you know, prime example, had if it was the two best teams last year, Ohio State and Michigan would have played. They would have played the year before. They probably would play almost every year. Exactly. What a treat that would be! Get to watch that twice a year. Um, yeah, and with and with the sorry, just to throw this in real quick, and with the conference realignment, I, I, it's I think it is going to be more like that uh, for moving moving on. I'm not sure if they're still going to do divisions or not. I assume they will, but either way, um, you know, I, I think they're going to even out those divisions a little bit. That way, that team coming out of you know the other side of the conference isn't going to be a cupcake. So um, that's definitely going to going to change from now on for sure oh absolutely um so yeah oklahoma though they did they looked phenomenal uh their quarterback dylan gabriel he played lefty right he's a lefty played great 
Their defense played really well. Uh, I knew the game started out crazy. It was literally uh, blocked punt, interception, touchdown, and then another touchdown. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is <laughs> – and this is all in, like, the first five minutes of the game. So, uh, definitely exciting finish down there watching that game. Uh, UCLA, they beat Washington State yesterday. Took them out. Washington State was undefeated, ranked number 13, and UCLA beats them by eight. I don't know. I didn't get to watch that game. I think it was on at the same time as a couple of other games that were happening because uh, I really watched the uh, – I think that was at the same time as Alabama-Texas A&M because I watched that whole game. Yeah, same. And, again, though, Alabama, they struggled throughout the game throughout the game until, you know, right there down towards the end. And it's just, I don't know why at this point, you know, we're six weeks, seven weeks, I think six weeks into the college football season. And I'm still shocked that Alabama is continuing to struggle because we're just not used to seeing it. And so it's just such unfamiliar territory to watch week after week. I mean, I won't lie. I hope they lose every week just because it's Alabama. Um, So it was, uh, they were able to pull it out there at the end. And then. Yeah. And I'll say, sorry, just to. uh, No, you're good. I I will say, I think the past couple of weeks, you know, while they haven't been impressive wins, I I will say Milrose looked a little better throwing the ball. Um, You know, I don't think he's ever going to be a great passer, but I, it does look like he's improving. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to improve to the level that they can beat Georgia at the end of the year. But, you know, I, I do see them slightly getting better each week. I will say that. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Uh, I actually did not watch. So I started, I watched a little bit of this game. I was planning on watching the whole game, but uh, Kentucky and Georgia, what a lackluster performance from Kentucky. And now that makes me wonder, did Kentucky yeah. just play bad teams and they met a good team? Or that yesterday was the first time all season that Georgia actually looked like a yeah. number one style of team. They played yeah. both sides of the ball fantastic. Exactly. Um and so that was that was the most complete game they've had all year, which, again, we did point out several times, like last year, they would have those games where they would just look insanely dominant, and then for the most part of the season, they would kind of struggle. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, 100%. I mean, Georgia definitely looked, you know, I mean, again, they haven't played anybody so far, but, um, you know, they stepped up in the biggest game that they have played so far, and they, they looked impressive. I, I, they looked really good. Like you said on the last one too, man, Bowers is just – he's crazy. He's so good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He – in my opinion, he's a top ten pick in the first round. Should I be. would should – sh- he absolutely should be with the tight end landscape in the NFL, how there's only like three good tight ends. Um, <laughs> I did not watch this game at all. I honestly didn't expect it to be close. Notre Dame and Louisville. Yeah, Louisville's a little tougher than uh, than, than I thought they were going to be. That's 
kind of crazy. I mean, um, that, you know, uh, I will say the ACC is not, is not good, um, <laughs> by any means, but, um, yeah, Sam Hartman had a really, really, really rough game. Um, kind of surprised me. He threw like three interceptions, I think. Um, and they couldn't get the run game going. Um, so really weird, uncharacteristic game for Notre Dame, but, um, yeah, at this point too, man, their, their schedule is tough. So the, Oh yeah. I, I know what a lot of people are going to start saying already. Like, you know, Oh, that Notre Dame game, it hurts the highest state. Um, it, it, it only hurts the highest state if, if we lose a game, you know, it, like, like I've said before, if, if you we lose continue one to game, win, it don't matter if you lose one game and um, you know, then you got to start comparing wins and losses, then, you know, it's going to matter. But as long as we take care of business and win all of our games, it don't matter. So. Agreed. Agreed. And <clears throat> One other game. So, well, actually, speaking of that with the Sam Hartman thing. So the last time that Louisville beat a top 10 team was actually when Wake Forest was in the top 10 and they beat Sam Hartman. <laughs> that's a fun. Don't know if you knew that, but that's, I, did not uh, know that. that's I saw one. that on the good old social media today because, you know, Lord knows they'd be pulling everything out. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. So the oh. U, Miami. Drop the game to Georgia Tech on the worst coaching error I've ever seen. If yeah. they kneel the ball, if they kneel the ball, they win the game. Clock runs out, they win the game. They ran the ball <laughs> and fumbled it, turned the ball over. Yeah. Georgia Tech goes down, scores, wins the game. I, I, I that's that's bad. Listen, any any horrible loss that a team has. You hear fans screaming, they, they should fire that coach, man. That's terrible. And 99% of the time, I disagree. I'm like, okay, it was bad, but it wasn't that bad. No, I'm with, I'm with them on this, man. That is a fireable offense right there. That is, the like you said, the worst coaching mistake I've ever seen. Like you said, just take a knee, man, and you win the game, but then you fumble it with 30 seconds left. And Georgia Tech, who is not a good throwing team, throws it two times and, and scores in 30 seconds with zero timeout. Uh, that was oh, it was, it was really the bad. worst, the worst totally coaching decision program. I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen something that bad. Um, yeah. And then unsurprisingly, but somewhat surprising. <laughs> USC. USC barely wins <laughs> in overtime to Arizona. I think it's safe to say at this point, we've seen it now, what, three weeks, four weeks in a row? USC is not a top 10 team. I'm sure yeah. they'll maintain their rank because a couple of the top 10 teams lost. But overall, their defense is so bad that they make any offense that goes against them look phenomenal. Literally, any yeah. offense. Because if you look, Colorado also Barely escaped with a win yesterday against Arizona State. And every team that plays USD just continues to put up yards and yards and points. And it's the same Lincoln Riley show that we've seen, whether he's in Oklahoma or he's at USC. It's, I don't care about defense. We're just going to try to outscore everybody like it's a basketball game. Yeah, sorry. And and, um, their schedule, too, man. Notre Dame, Utah, Washington, Oregon, Cal, and UCLA. 
any of those six teams can beat them. And probably I'm going to guess they're going to lose at least two or three games. I really, that's, that defense is bad. I, I, that's horrible. Oh, hundred percent. I 41 points to Arizona. God. Well, you knew they were going to be in trouble when they gave up 28 to Fresno state at the beginning of the year. (laughs) Right. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, uh, think that's all do you have anything um college football related or whatever to uh close on um maybe just a quick one for next week who do you got uh oregon and washington who do you got is it at oregon or at washington it's at washington and i think washington is a i think a three-point favorite i like washington I think they okay. have the better. I think they have the better quarterback and the better defense. Uh, I okay. don't think they have as many athletes as Oregon does, so it wouldn't shock me if Oregon beat them. But being that it's, if you would have said at Oregon, I would have took Oregon. Um, so I really think the home field advantage is going to be the tipping point here, and I expect it to be a really good close matchup. Um, that'll be a game that'll be really fun to watch so i'm excited for that to come up what about you yeah i i'm with you i i went i've i've gone back and forth on this because like i've been trying to kind of like you know in my like on my little notes i've been trying to keep track of like who i think is going to win the conference and again like sort of like we said about the oklahoma texas game like probably you know whoever won that game is looking like they're going to win the conference it's probably the same for oregon and washington like this is you know this is a, a very uh um nationally uh national implication sort of game right like this the, the winner of this game is probably looking at a playoff spot looking at winning the conference so um Ooh, like you said, it's I gonna will. be a tough one I, I will say like you said washington's defense is a, probably a little better but i'm gonna i'm gonna take the upset in this one i'm gonna go ducks okay okay and I then think it's, gonna it's gonna be a close game but for whatever reason i just I, i'm pulling I, I don't know i don't know why i'm just pulling for the ducks i don't know why so I also think um, unless the Pac-12 just gets blown up, I think this being the last year pretty much that the Pac-12 exists. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I think yeah, no right. matter I what, can't. like I say, we're disconnected. Oh, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Okay, we disconnected there. Um, so what I was saying. <laughs> all right, all right. What I was saying was, um, being that this is basically the last year that the Pac-12 is going to exist, unless for some reason the the conference just gets blown up over the next few weeks in terms of, like, all these teams are dropping games, um, I don't think there's any any chance that they leave a Pac-12 team out of the college football playoff this year. Oh, I, I 100% agree. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a tough conference. I mean, a lot of ranked teams, a lot of going to be a lot of big wins for, you know, whoever comes out of that at the end of the year. So, yeah, I 100% agree. Okay. Well, I will say, with that being said, I do have to wrap this up because I got to get ready for Legoland. We are leaving Heck in 20, yeah. 24 minutes. So, All right. lucky for me, I'm quick at being ready <laughs> <laughs> good deal but, uh, man well, you guys have yeah fun. 
well, I was glad that we were able to get on here and knock this out this morning um, versus because we know how it is now during the middle of the week. We don't know how it's (laughs) trying to make that work last week. I think we tried like two or three different days. And I mean, literally, I had to force it, as you could tell, on Thursday. (laughs) And uh, not not horrible, not horrible, not the best finish, but that's not our best performance, but not our worst. That's right, dude. As long as we get the dub, right? <laughs> that's all. That's all it is. All right, man. Well, I do appreciate you coming on here. I do hope that your Sunday is filled with joy. And until next time, this will uh, wrap up this episode. <laughs>